Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. God's New Testament word to, for us today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. 
for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered all over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Let us stand in honor of the gospel of our Lord. Holy gospel today comes from Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse one. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, don't you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? because they suffered in this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and when he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any, so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming and looking for fruit from on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? The man replied, sir, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our song of the message, The Power of the Cross.
May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from the gospel reading. Let's pray. Gracious God, you have saved us through the fires of hell at a great cost. The blood of your son, Jesus. Bless us as we gather today and receive his gifts of life and salvation. And may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our maker and our redeemer. Amen. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? And the man replied, sir, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. It's our text. It was back in 1741, a preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon, and it's a pretty famous sermon. It's titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And let me read some of the parts of the sermon for you. The wrath of God burns against his enemies. The pit is prepared. The fire is made ready. Hell opens its mouth wide to receive them. There is nothing between you and hell but air. God holds you over the pit of death as one holds a spider or some other loathsome insect over the fire. God abhors you. He's dreadfully provoked. His wrath toward you burns like fire. Oh, sinner, consider the fearful danger that you are in. It is a furnace of great wrath, wide and bottomless pit of fire and wrath that you are held over in the hands of an angry God. Now, I wonder what uh, you would think if uh, Pastor Drennan or I would uh, preach a sermon like that with all the appropriate shouting and maybe uh, thumping on the pulpit and hand waving. Uh, you might be thinking Pastor Copa needs a vacation. I don't know. Uh, but if you take it seriously, now, this is the stuff nightmares are made of, right? I mean, as you imagine God dangling you like a helpless insect over the fires of hell. It's a terror-filled story that, that makes you fear God uh, uh, because it gives you no chance, right? And no hope on the day of your death when you will face God. In fact, uh, we might even give it an R rating, right? On the other hand, maybe you're going to pass this off as a message that some misguided preacher got wrong. God isn't at all like that. He is an angry, judgmental, and a tormenting God. Now, I'm not sure about the rest of the sermon, but if you're right when you're thinking that this preacher might have gone a bit too far in that vivid description of God and his disgust and, and aberrance of sin and the sinner. But I guess in the 1700s, it was a common way of bringing people to that realization of their sin and their need to be forgiven, to change their ways if they were to have any chance of eternal life. It was almost like he wanted to scare people into heaven, right? After hearing about the fire and torture in that day that awaited the sinner, congregation, they would fall to their knees uh, and seeking God's forgiveness. And in spite of the fact that the preacher overdid what, what some, uh, overdid it somewhat compared to modern standards, there's still that element of truth there, isn't there? in what he had to say. 
In fact, he stated what Jesus says in our gospel reading today. It's reported to Jesus that there were some Galileans. They were worshiping at the temple. Pilate had sent in troops and killed them right then and there as they were offering their sacrifices. Those who reported wanted to know if those Galileans were worse than sinners than all the other Galileans. There's nothing unique with that kind of thinking, is there? I mean, we've all had that kind of thought. Uh, people get what they have coming to them, right? If something bad happens, at some level, somehow, somewhere, they're asking for it, right? Drunk killed in a car crash, had it coming. Uh, uh, questionable character is murder, murdered, divine retribution. Uh, a drug, drug addict gets a dreadful disease, God's punishment, we say. Uh, uh, an official is caught in a crime, they deserve to be caught and locked away, right? A lot of people believe that suffering is a result of some evil that some tormented person has done. So Jesus, what do you think? I mean, you can imagine the discomfort of those that are questioning Jesus when he replies, well, I'm gonna tell you what I think, you're wrong. <laughs> but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he goes home to drive, drive the point home by, by referring to the headlines, if you will, sort of maybe the Jerusalem Daily Post, uh, uh, that uh, uh, the report of a construction site accident. He asks, what about the 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, not a chance. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. So Jesus, just like uh, the preacher I quoted earlier, there are no beating around the bush here, right? Jesus is deadly serious about the consequences of sin. He's giving this stern warning that there's no hope for people who will persist in their sin. He says, turn away from your sin or die. He's telling his listeners that when it comes to sin, God doesn't mess around because sin puts us in terrible danger. Sin brings damnation. Sin uh, is totally intolerable to God. Sin is disobedience to God's will. Sin is rejection of the way that God has designed us as his creation to live. Sin's turning against God and ignoring his love for us. The wages of sin is death. Or as that preacher said, there's nothing between you and hell but air. Jesus is giving his listeners the same warning that Jonathan Edwards did in the 1700s. When, when Jonathan Edwards proclaimed, O sinner, consider the fearful danger that you're in. Both Jesus and the preacher wanted to impress upon those that were hearing that sin has an awful consequence. I tell you that if you do not turn away from your sins, you will all die. So he lets those words hang in the air for a while as he scans the crowd. And as he does so, people are, as when people are guilty, uh, they're looking everywhere, right? Looking at the ground, looking around the sky. They're looking everywhere but Jesus. And he continues, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Apparently it was common for uh, fruit trees to be planted among the vines in the vineyard. And it's clear this vineyard owner had a, 
had a, had a liking for figs, right? After three years, making his way up and down in the vineyard, looking forward to the taste of that ripe fig, but it still hasn't produced any fruit. And Jesus says, he went to look for fruit on it, but not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any, cut it down. Why should I use it the soil? This is wasting my space and wasting my resources. And so Jesus pauses again to let those words hang in the air. Because the, the power of those last words cut us, don't they? Because you side with the owner, right? I mean, come on. Three years, that's a long time. He's disappointed and he has every right to destroy the tree that fails to bear fruit. But at the same time, you know that this is Jesus talking. And you know, deep down inside, he's not really talking about fig trees anymore. He's talking about you. He's talking about God's judgment on your sin. And he continues, the one taking care of the vineyard addresses the owner, sir, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And with that, Jesus ends the story of the fig tree. With that, Jesus leaves his listeners to reflect on the generosity, the, the patience and grace of the gardener. I mean, the, they're struck by the words of the gardener when he says, leave it alone one more year. He's asking the owner to leave it alone, to, to lay it aside. Uh, uh, the Greek word can also, it's interesting, can have the idea of to forgive. They know that Jesus simply isn't telling a story about a fig tree, but he's talking about God. About the way God forgives us, about even though we don't deserve such generosity and kindness. Today, Jesus tells us to turn away from our sin, repent or we will all die. Some have misunderstood repentance as a, a way of straightening out our, our lives uh, and avoiding certain wrong behavior. Uh, and with that mindset to repent is to do it yourself, to lift up oneself to a, a proper moral level. And that way we are the ones that make ourselves acceptable to God. Well, the pitfall with that kind of thinking is that if we do this through an act of sheer will, then why in the world do we need God? Clearly, this isn't what Jesus is talking about. Repentance is relational. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning toward God. Repentance is turning toward the one who has already turned toward us. It's a new connection. He is the one who's already broken into our lives with his love and grace, right? Is turning away from disobedience and sin and toward the God who deals with us so graciously by his son. Repentance is returning to the Father, the one who has been waiting for us to come home. That return means that our lives are changed as we seek to live to be faithful to the God who loves us so much. Because the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature, every day we're inclined to break, sever that relationship that God has with us in order to turn our back on the way that he wants us to live as his children. I mean, we're like that fig tree that fails to produce good fruit. Thank God. Thank God for the patience and grace of the gardener. Jesus 
gives himself for us. He becomes the fertilizer, if you will, right? As he is laughed at and rejected. Uh, he's crucified as a criminal on the cross. He's, he, uh, nails and thorns and spikes and spears dig into him. He literally waters the ground with his own blood. He does everything. And we do nothing. We simply trust in that grace. In Christ we grow, made into that beautiful, fruitful garden. Well, how does Jesus end the story about the fig tree and the gardener who applied that, that love and dug around the tree? Did the tree bear good fruit? Did, how effective was uh, his work in, the, in that fertilizer? We're not told. Jesus leaves it open-ended. And so that parable then forces you and me to, to think and ask some questions for ourselves. How have we responded to the overflowing grace of God? How have we responded to the care and love that Jesus has shown us when he gives his life on the cross so that we might have life? The parable makes it quite clear that we have been unfruitful and unfaithful. Yet in spite of our lack of fidelity, God is faithful. We heard that in the, in the first reading, right? We're given one chance after another to respond to God's word, to bear the fruit of the Christian life. How have we responded to this nourishment of God's grace? Still time to repent. There's still time to change. I uh, came across a story. Uh, uh, it's about a couple. Uh, they were traveling in Europe and they were visiting Innsbruck, Austria. And during the visit, they noticed uh, their, the little inn that they were going by and that there were these unbelievably beautiful red geraniums growing all on the front of the inn. And so they stopped and asked the landlady, says, you know, these are beautiful flowers. Uh, how do you do it? What kind of fertilizer do you use? They weren't waiting for the reply because the woman looked at them and said, blood. My husband brings a gallon of blood from the slaughterhouse each week and these flowers grow best with blood. <laughs> now, when I read that story, I thought, come on, is that true? So I did the Google, you know, searched it. Sure enough, if you want to, to bring nitrogen to your garden soil or, uh, or compost, blood or dried blood is an excellent source. <laughs> it's shocking, right? But isn't that similar to our lives in, that we live in Christ? To grow at the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ shed his blood for you and me on the cross. His blood became that nourishment, if you will, to enable you and me to grow into God's children each and every day, to grow and bear the fruit of his love. His blood has saved us, his blood gives us new life. His body and blood in the supper forgives us, cleanses us, strengthens us to live as his children in a world that wants to reject their creator. Because of Jesus, we're no longer dangled over the fire of hell like an insect. We are redeemed. Luther says that Jesus has purchased and won me from all sins 
from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. And he closes that, this is most certainly true. My friends, let us grow. Let us grow in God's garden and proclaim his love throughout the world with joy. Amen. Please stand. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.